your reaction to your new job? Well, I think I still am a Fox News contributor. Uh, <laughs> no, I, you're I not, didn't. apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually are. And the top advisor to the president. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Is there any difference? I got the feeling that something ain't right. <sighs> I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Yep. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, and in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates. Across this once great land of ours, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Coming up in uh, just a moment or two here, Marcy Wheeler of Empty Wheel, who scared the hell out of all of us a week or so ago on this show with her predictions about John Bolton. Well, when we talked to her, we said we'd book her on the day that uh, John Bolton was uh, hired to the role of National Security Advisor. And apparently he now has been. So she will be back once again now that uh, Bolton has been named the next uh, National Security Advisor to Donald Trump after his second National Security Advisor, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster, was pushed out on Thursday. McMaster, as you'll recall, had replaced Trump's first national security advisor, Mike Flynn, who was uh, who has now pled guilty to felony charges and is said to be cooperating with special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Team Trump. Uh, Anyway, that undoubtedly chilling conversation with our friend Marcy Wheeler is coming up shortly. But first today, Donald Trump on Friday after threatening just hours earlier to veto this massive 2200 page omnibus government spending bill. Uh, just hours uh, after it was passed by both the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate in quick succession on Thursday and Friday, to avoid yet another government shutdown on Friday at midnight. Uh, Donald Trump had, well, he had talked about, he had tweeted about vetoing this bill. And then he proved once again that his threats don't mean a whole hell of a lot. He went ahead and signed the $1.3 trillion spending bill without any changes to it. Despite attempting to pretend that he was upset that it didn't include a fix to protect immigrant dreamer kids who are now facing the threat of deportation. 
because Trump killed the Obama-era DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, last September. Uh, and he was pretending that he was upset because it didn't include funding for his $25 billion border wall with Mexico which Mexico was supposed to pay for anyway, so not sure why he's complaining that the U.S. taxpayers will not be doing so in this bill. Um, Des, you, you grabbed uh, Desi Doyen, our producer. Hello. Yes, I'm here. You uh, grabbed a couple of clips from his uh, statement this morning as he was signing this bill. Some of them are... What's the word? Laughable? Rambling, I was going to say. Somewhat uh, semi-incoherent. Well, he's always rambling. He's always incoherent. Yes, that's Uh, true. In this case, uh, I would say laughable. But here, let's play a couple of these. Uh, This was, uh, well, his explanation as to why he was funding this sort of under protest. There are a lot of things that we shouldn't have had in this bill, but we were, in a sense, forced, if we want to build our military, we were forced to have But I say to Congress, I will never sign another bill like this again. I'm not going to do it again. Nobody read it. It's only hours old. But in this case, it became so big because we need to take care of our military. And because the Democrats, who don't believe in that, added things that they wanted in order to get their votes. Well, that's news. The Democrats don't believe in funding the military? Yeah. Really? Surprise. What they insisted on, uh, as did the Republicans, he talked about stuff we were forced to have in here. That stuff would be funding the entire government, the rest of the entire government above and beyond the military. So, uh, yeah, stuff we were forced to have, we were forced to have things that keep the government running. And he also seems to be unclear on the concept that there are, you know, two parties in Congress and, you know, the other party gets to have stuff, too. Oh, he no, he doesn't agree with that at at all, as we uh, hear in this next clip. To prevent the omnibus situation from ever happening again, I'm calling on Congress to give me a line item veto for all government spending bills, and the Senate must end. They must end the filibuster rule and get down to work. We have to get a lot of great legislation approved, and without the filibuster rule, it'll happen just like magic. Yes. (laughs) Well, of course it will. Uh, The filibuster rule is what makes it very, very difficult to pass anything, which means you have to work with all sides in Congress if you want to pass anything substantial. Uh, Maybe he forgot about those eight years that the Republicans kept anything from passing at all uh, by using the filibuster until they decided to kill the filibuster for everything but legislation. But the reason I wanted to pull that clip was because he talked about the the need to uh, give him the line item veto so that he can veto everything he doesn't like in a in a spending bill and keep in just the stuff he does. Did he miss the uh, 90s entirely, Donald Trump? You know, after years of Ronald Reagan calling for the line item veto in the 80s and so forth, uh, the line item veto was actually granted and found to be by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1998, Clinton versus City of New York, uh, found to be 
in violation of the Constitution. It violates the presentment clause of the Constitution, which says that the president does not have the power to unilaterally amend or repeal legislation uh, passed by Congress. That was decided. It's a done, a dead issue, as far as I know, back in 1998, when the U.S. Supreme Court said a line item veto is a violation of the Constitution. Now, of course, you asked, does he, did he sleep through the 90s? I would say, come on now, this is Donald Trump. He has the attention span of a gnat and the memory of a flea. So, no, I don't think he has any idea about any of that. Yeah, well, Fox News was barely on TV in 1998, I guess. So maybe he didn't hear about it. Um, all right, here's a couple, uh, a couple more here. Uh, go ahead, play this clip, number three. DACA recipients have been treated extremely badly by the Democrats. We wanted to include DACA. The Democrats would not do it. I can tell you this, and I say this to DACA recipients, that the Republicans are with you. They want to get your situation (laughs) taken care of. And as you know, DACA is also tied to the wall for the major funding, the $25 billion for wall and other things. But I do want the Hispanic community to know and DACA recipients to know that Republicans are much more on your side <laughs> than the Democrats who are using you for their own purposes. Oh, my God. All right. Well, so very quickly, uh, <laughs> DACA, as you know, is tied to the wall because he tied it to the wall. Dems, Democrats would approve a DACA fix immediately. Uh, Trump won't. Moreover, if Trump really cared about DACA, he could reinstitute it tomorrow with a today with a stroke of his pen. He's the one who killed it. It was an executive action. So when he says Democrats are using you for their own purposes to the uh, DACA kids, he literally means the exact opposite of that. He is using DACA kids for his own purposes. He won't approve a fix to DACA without funding for the border wall, which, by the way, Democrats had offered some weeks ago, but he didn't take it because uh, he also uh, insists now he has a new uh, condition for all of this. Oh, he's made a new demand? Well, these are these major restrictions on legal immigration that he decided to throw in there as well. So when he says Democrats are using you for their own purpose, in fact, Donald Trump is using you, DACA kids, for his own purpose. I suspect the DACA kids who are a hell of a lot brighter than Donald Trump probably know that. But I just had to note that. All right. Also in this bill, Trump got a bunch of money to expand our nuclear weapons programs for some reason. He was very proud of that, according to a statement today. So we'll have by far the most powerful nuclear force on Earth, and it'll be absolutely in perfect shape and condition. And hopefully, praise be to God, we don't ever have to use it. But there will be nobody that's even close. There is already nobody that is even close. We are already the most powerful nuclear power in the world. Uh, Of course, I'd like to think that his comments about, you know, never needing to use those nuclear weapons, I'd like to believe that it's heartfelt. But if you look at at his, you know, lie just seconds earlier about Democrats and DACA, well, I hope this is not another case of him meaning the exact opposite of what he is actually saying. And to that end, 
Just minutes after John Bolton was named on uh, Thursday evening to take over next month as Donald Trump's third national security advisor in just over one year in office, the controversial far-right-wing neocon Fox News regular and former George W. Bush official uh, John Bolton said that his past policy statements are, quote, behind me. And that, after taking over as Trump's national security advisor, quote, the important thing is what the president says and the advice I give him. Well, wouldn't that advice be based on his past policy views? Bolton's history of provocative, bellicose pronouncements, typically in the form of calls to bomb countries like Iran and North Korea, along with his unwavering support before and after for the 2003 invasion of Iraq, are impossible to pass off, CNN's Gregory Krieg uh, writes, especially as Trump considers tearing up the Iran nuclear deal and prepares for talks with Pyongyang. After 9-11, for example, while working in the Bush administration, John Bolton made the case at home and abroad that Saddam Hussein possessed weapons of mass destruction and that the U.S. role in the aftermath of regime change in Iraq would be, quote, fairly minimal. Bolton also publicly accused Cuba of providing dual-use biotechnology to other rogue states despite the lack of evidence to support that assertion in any way. Years later, after leaving his post as ambassador to the U.N., which the Senate had refused to confirm him for during the George W. Bush administration, so Bush recess appointed him to that role, uh, after leaving that post, he went on to push to expand the Iraq war into Iran. More recently, he's pushed for unilateral military strikes against both Iran and North Korea. In February of this year, just this year, about four weeks ago, for example, Bolton made a case in the Wall Street Journal for a U.S. military attack on North Korea. Preemption opponents argue that action is not justified he wrote, because Pyongyang does not constitute an imminent threat. They are wrong. The threat is imminent, wrote Bolton. Asked by a Fox News host if there was any diplomatic options remaining in the nuclear standoff with North Korea, Bolton said, quote, I think the only diplomatic option left is to end the regime in North Korea by effectively having the South take it over. When it was pointed out uh, by the Fox News host that that was not a diplomatic option, he said, quote, well, that's their problem, not ours. In January of this year, again in the Wall Street Journal, he argued that the Trump administration must take more forceful steps to break the terms of the Iranian anti-nuclear deal, that was struck between the U.S., Germany, France, the U.K., China and Russia and Iran after years of negotiation. Shortly before the framework of that Iran nuclear deal was set in place, Bolton wrote a piece headlined to stop Iran's bomb, bomb Iran. And as evidence that he never sees himself as actually wrong about anything, no matter how many years after he was uh, proven as much, Bolton still argues that invading Iraq was the right thing to do. Quote, I still think the decision to overthrow Saddam was correct, he told the Washington Examiner in 2015. 
And back in 2008, long after the war had already killed hundreds of thousands and continued to grind on, Bolton argued to expand it into Iran. All of that long after he had said in the run-up to the Iraq invasion in the first place, quote, I expect that the American role actually will be fairly minimal. John Bolton has been wrong over and over and over again about foreign policy, about American military adventures, and yet this is the man who will now be in charge of coordinating all of Donald Trump's national security foreign policy advice from all of the various sources of intelligence and opinion that are collected by the U.S. government. In a statement released just minutes after the announcement on Thursday, Democratic Congresswoman Barbara Lee of California, the only member of the U.S. House or Senate to have voted against going to war in Afghanistan after 9-11, a war which is now in its 17th year, by the way, with no end in sight, uh, uh, Congresswoman Lee said in her brief, if chilling statement on Bolton's appointment, quote, this is dangerous news for the country and the world. John Bolton was easily one of the most extreme pro-war members of the Bush administration. Just imagine what havoc he could wreak whispering into Donald Trump's ear. She added, I hear the drumbeats of war. Iraq War veteran John Soltz, who chairs the largest progressive organization representing veterans and their families, warned, quote, with the 15th anniversary of the war in Iraq just passed, it is downright frightening that a man who was key in sending me and thousands and thousands of my fellow troops to Iraq is now the national security advisor to Donald Trump. Let there be no mistake. There is no war for regime change anywhere that John Bolton wasn't for. He sees troops not as human beings with families, but as expendable resources in his real-life game of risk. Soltz adds, we are undoubtedly closer to a war in Korea now and with war uh, with Iran, with John Bolton as National Security Advisor and with CIA Director Mike Pompeo as the nominee for Secretary of State. He went on to add... To the Trump voters out there, we say, you were suckered. Bolton and Pompeo represent the neocon foreign policy that Donald Trump falsely said he was against. These appointments show that there's not a shred of daylight between Dick Cheney and Donald Trump. You were lied to, and now our troops are going to have to pay the price for that. That's John Soles from Vote Vets. Many others in the foreign policy and military community are very worried today about what this appointment may or may not mean. Fred Kaplan, who writes the War Stories column at Slate, and he's hardly a hothead on this kind of stuff, he argues that Bolton's appointment as National Security Advisor puts us on a path to war. In a column headlined simply, It's Time to Panic Now. Okay. Let's take a break so you can get ready to panic. We'll come back with Marcy Wheeler, who uh, <laughs> was warning us uh, a little over a week ago to panic about exactly this. She'll join us as we discuss John Bolton and much more today on the broadcast. Uh, none of which is fun, but we'll see if Marcy can make it somewhat more so. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate and thanks. Corporation T-shirts, stupid bloody Tuesday man. You've been a naughty boy. I let your face grow long. I am the Eggman. They are the Eggman. I am the Walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo! Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. A little inside joke there for fans of the mustachioed. John Bolton, who has been named to replace Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster as the National Security Advisor to Donald Trump. Donald Trump's uh, top foreign policy, military, uh, national security guy. Uh, we Before the break, I was going through uh, some of the concerns about uh, John Bolton and his uh, years of calling for attacks, preemptive attacks on Iran and North Korea and uh, those uh, on the left and those uh, in the military, uh, military veterans who are concerned about this appointment. But it's not just the lefties in Congress and the military who are very concerned about this. Richard Haas the high-ranking official from George W. Bush's State Department, tweeted on Friday morning that President Donald Trump is, quote, now set for war on three fronts, political versus Bob Mueller, economic versus China and others on trade, and actual versus Iran and or North Korea. Haas added that this is the most perilous moment in modern American history, and it has been brought largely about by ourselves, not by events. The George W. Bush administration's former chief ethics lawyer, Richard Painter, tweets, quote, John Bolton was by far the most dangerous man we had in the entire eight years of the Bush administration. Hiring him as the president's top national security advisor is an invitation to war, perhaps nuclear war. He adds, this must be stopped at all costs. Well, bad news. It can't be stopped. Uh, Not as far as I know. As national security journalist Marcy Wheeler chillingly reminded me at the end of the show when she was on uh, just last week to discuss the firing of Rex Tillerson and the promotion of Mike Pompeo to secretary of state and his deputy Gina Haspel, who oversaw torture in 2002, becoming the next CIA director. Those nominations must receive confirmation in the U.S. Senate. The National Security Advisor to the President, however, that is a direct appointment. No Senate confirmation is required. Joining us to pick up that discussion and much more happy thoughts is our friend Marcy Wheeler. She's an independent national security journalist covering legal issues surrounding national security, civil liberties, presidential politics and more for well over a decade now. She has contributed to The New York Times, Politico, The Guardian, The Intercept and many others. She's also, by the way, author of Anatomy of Deceit, 
how the Bush administration used the media to sell the Iraq war and out a spy. I wonder if John Bolton ever came up in that book. Marcy Wheeler, welcome back to the broadcast. Oh, boy, I wish I wasn't proved right about that prediction so quickly. <laughs> boy, howdy, were you? Uh, and you know what? We'll play that in a moment because uh, it was kind of chilling. Now, the removal of uh, Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster as secretary as a national Se- uh, security advisor to make room for this hard right Fox News neocon wingnut John Bolton. That isn't the only uh, Trump White House personnel shakeup since you and I last talked, Marcy. So I want to discuss that in a moment. But two other related points I want to get your your thoughts on very quickly here. Hard right Fox News neocon attorney Joe DeGeneva has now been brought aboard Trump's legal team responding to the uh, special counsel Robert Mueller's probe uh, and resulting in Trump's latest lead attorney, John Dowd, calling it quits on Thursday. Uh, what can or should we read from uh, from that shakeup, and what does it mean going forward? Well, uh, it was reported Monday he was going to be hired. I immediately said, as did everyone who is kind of a law wonk, he can't be hired. His wife is representing three people in the investigation already. That's a conflict. He met with, uh, and then Trump decided he was going to uh, hire both of them. Yeah, hire his wife. His wife. Victoria yeah, Tensing, yeah. And uh, met with both of them yesterday, and either he or they are not sure whether it's really going to work out. Maybe he's looking for somebody who will let him fire Robert Mueller, and that's not a good legal idea for him. And so maybe it's not going to happen, and, and I'm still not convinced that Tonsig can really clear up her her uh, her conflicts because she is is or has represented um, Sam Clovis, who was mm-hmm. in charge of outreach to the Russians, mm-hmm. um, and his testimony does not coincide with George Papadopoulos's, which means you know he may come back. Um, Eric Prince, who was involved in that back channel deal with the Emirates that the Emirates were going to set up with Russia. That, right. And then third, right, third, Mark Corallo, who said he was going to go tell Robert Mueller that Hope Hicks was going to try and withhold emails from the investigation, emails about the June 9th, 2016 meeting. So she represents all three of those people. I, I can't imagine how any one of them is done with needing a lawyer. Uh, she <laughs> claims she's done with them needing a lawyer. I think that's crazy. So I don't understand how you can do the conflicts. Um, but to be clear, you know, you're, you're suggesting that uh, she may not uh, come aboard, uh, but you're saying DeGeneva himself also may not come aboard after all? Well, th- there is a report that it's not done yet. It's not clear that Trump has hmm. found what he wants. So now he's gotten, like, Dowd left because Trump was looking to hire all these other people. Mm-hmm. Um, DeGeneva is somebody who agreed to be hired, Maybe um, Trump also made a big show of trying to hire Emmett Flood, who helped Dick Cheney stay out of the pokey, mm-hmm. um, and or Ted Olson, two of the best Republican lawyers out there. And I think both of them said no because they know he's a disaster. They both said no last summer. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing about him now that would make him a better client than he was last summer. So I think he's trying to pretend he has options for lawyers, and he doesn't. So he chased John Dad out, who at least at times has been a competent lawyer. 
And now he's talking about hiring these, what I, you know, I called them table pounders because, uh, mm. that, that old statement, right? When yeah. you are, when you, when the facts on your side argue the law, when you, when the law is not on your side, pound the pound table. Pound the table, right. Um, and so he hired two pound t- table pounders and it's not even clear they're going to work out for him. And so it's this remarkable thing where the president of the United States is having a very, very difficult time finding somebody to represent him in the biggest investigation in recent history. And to Geneva, I mean, make no mistake about it. He is a Fox News far right winger, a table pounder, as you have said. He he has called for uh, firing uh, Mueller, I believe. Uh, and just about any, you know, everything that Donald Trump, I guess, thinks that he wants in an attorney. Interesting that uh, that may not come to pass. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, the other story I want to ask you before we get to Bolton uh, today in in what you uh, cite at EmptyWheel.net as perhaps curious timing. I thought the exact same thing today. Uh, the DOJ announced indictments of nine Iranians who they describe as government-sponsored hackers in what appears to be a case of academic papers stolen in a phishing scheme where these uh, professors, these uh, U.S. professors, I guess, who, who got hacked, actually gave up their passwords by answering to these to these phishing emails? Right. So it is it is a legitimate. Ha- I mean, I don't mean it's a it's a it's a good hack. I'm mm-hmm. meaning it. They, they clearly hacked a ton of people, mm-hmm. 8000 professors worldwide mm-hmm. of whom something like um you know, close to five thousand are in the United States, um, but it's but the indictment is really vague about exactly what they took. It's not making claims that they were taking um, super secret uh, technical information that would help Iran develop nukes, mm-hmm. for example. It sounds like they're accused of doing what Aaron Swartz did, which was trying to get free access to academic journals some dissertations, some other things. So they're trying to get information that in in America, because we have free flows of information, you can get readily. You just can't get it readily in Iran, partly because it's so hard to get information and to share with Americans and to share information. So I, I, that troubles me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm troubled. I won't be troubled when Robert Mueller indicts the hackers who hacked the DNC, because that was part of a larger conspiracy involving Americans. But, you know, when we indict hackers for hacks, you know, it's it's kind of a weird nation-state hackers for hacks. It's kind of a weird thing because we hack people all the time. Right. You know, this this is it's it's spying. We the U.S. Um, government, the U.S. government hacks people all the time. Yeah. The NSA and, you know, DOD and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. So it's just it's weird. And it doesn't. um, But but in this case, it just is all the more troubling because they're not making allegations that this, you know, the, the people who benefited are Iranian universities, are Iranian academics. And, you know, maybe it's the old academic in me that I just, wow, I can't believe we're making an international incident over the stealing of academic journals as distinct from, say, stealing plans on how to make a nuke. Then I'd care. I'm a little bit more concerned about this. These aren't state secrets. These are academic papers. And and maybe... you know, we could argue, well, you know, good. Nobody should hack anybody. 
Um, that makes it difficult for uh, for the U.S. to, uh, you know, excuse itself for hacking into foreign governments and so forth. But the idea that it's Iranians on, uh, the, well, the morning after uh, John Bolton has been appointed, um, is, does that uh, timing trouble you? And do you think that uh, plays in right now to uh, to Bolton's appointment? Well, and a couple other things concern me as well. Um, the the actual date on the PDF, uh, the creation of the indictment itself was mm-hmm. back in February, early February. Right. So this has been at least in the works for over a month. And again, the timing, the day after Bolton. Um, the, the firing of Rex Tillerson, one reason why Trump fired Tillerson is because he wants to keep the Iranian deal. Um Right, it, the Brits have already joined us in the accusations against Iran, and that you know it sort of feels like we've already lined up our allies to go to war against Iran. Mm-hmm. So it just it does feel really eerie. There was an earlier case, uh, I forget whether it was this, I think it was last year, where um, there was a very thinly laid out indictment against a different Iranian. So it's as if. Um, and 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 Trump actually did this with the WannaCry attribution to North Korea last year, um, which was that global worm. I, I, I've heard from experts that the attribution there is not solid, or is certainly not as solid as the United States makes out. That was the hack against the. Uh, uh, was that the hack against Sony uh, by the North Koreans? Allegedly by the no, North Koreans? No, it was the global one that started against the National Health Service okay, in, right. in the U.K. Okay. Um, but it hit everybody. Um, and so, you know, Trump seems, and Trump has laid out, he said, you know, if somebody hacks us, we'll go nuke you in exchange. So now, right, we've got uh, this causes belli of these hacks, which really aren't, I mean, it, it's, it's not like what the Russians did to us. It's not like what China has done to us. These are not debilitating hacks. They're hacks, but they're not, you know, they're they're not taking out our own power grid or anything. And the notion, right, and so that there's then that irony that, that Russia really did harm us and Trump wants to use Iranians stealing dissertations uh, as a cause of belli. But he's also laid the doctrine to say, well, if you hack us, we'll go and, and actually start a war in response. The timing so is... So it just seems... Yeah, yeah the I timing is, is yeah. troubling. Uh, anything to make of the fact... It, it, I, I don't know if this is curious or not, but the fact that it was Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, not Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, who seems to have made the announcement about this, is there a, anything to read into that as you see it? Yeah, I didn't understand that, and also rather than um, rather than Director Ray, Chris Ray of the FBI, it was the Deputy Director. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what to make of of that, um, but hmm. nevertheless, you know, here we go. We've got we've got this big dog, this big dog and pony show around these indictments of Iranians stealing academic dissertation. It uh, is troubling timing. Um, So about a week or so ago, Marcy Wheeler, uh, you were on the show. We talked about Rex Tillerson getting pushed out as Secretary of State and being replaced if she's uh, if if he's confirmed by uh, CIA Director Mike Pompeo and then Pompeo being replaced by the Bush era torture overseer Gina Haspel, if she can be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. But then at the very end of our conversation, 
You dropped, let's call it an uh, oratorical figurative bomb. Uh, here's, here's what it sounded like at the end of the show. When people talk about how we ended up with Donald Trump, this is the problem, is that we have excused things like torture for so long that it just created the opportunity for Donald Trump. Yes, he's worse, but yes, those precedents really created the way for him. Yeah, they did. And I know that folks like you, folks like me, Marcy, uh, had been yelling and screaming about that years ago, you know, when Obama came in and tried to say, if there is no accountability now, these people will be back. Well, great news. They're back. These people are back. Yep. Uh, Marcy (laughs) Wheeler. uh, Jesus. Uh, Well, uh, go ahead and and just pencil it into your book when uh, John Bolton gets his nomination. I want you back that day as well. Marcy Wheeler, uh, <laughs> National... Well, no, yeah? very importantly, Brad, that's not a nomination. He gets appointed because it's not Senate confirmed. So if, if Trump wants him, he's in charge of nuking North Korea. So that's how you uh, ruined the end of our show last time you were on, Marcy. That's what happened. Uh, he's in charge of nuking North Korea. Do you care to walk any of that back now, pretty pleased, now that he's been uh, named as National Security Advisor? Well, given what's happened in between, I'd say, and Iran. I'll also, in addition to all the great uh, quotes that you used in your introduction, mm-hmm. one that people should read, which to me is the most frightening thing I've read on, on Bolton's uh, on Bolton's being the National Security Advisor, is a piece that Matthew Waxman wrote at Lawfare. He's a former Bush lawyer, so mm-hmm. he worked with Bolton. And he basically says, Unlike everybody else who has worked with Trump, Bolton is very, very bureaucratically competent, like Dick Cheney. So he's good at it. He's not just crazy, but he's good at actually moving those policies forward. Is that what we're getting at? Yeah, right. So we finally, I mean, you know, we've been blessed thus far, if we can say use that term. We've been blessed so far in the Trump administration in that he keeps hiring incompetence. Right. Or even if they're competent people who don't understand how government bureaucracy works. John Bolton was trained by by the master, Dick Cheney. He knows how government bureaucracy works. He's a vindictive man, and he knows how to get the bureaucracy to do what he wants it to do. And that is, I think, the most terrifying part of John Bolton being named National Security Advisor. In trying to find... Um Something to be encouraged about, uh, Marcy, uh, after this uh, announcement on Thursday night. Uh, uh, I find uh, this uh, Daily Coast writer who said, Remember, Bolton is an advisor, not a department head. He can't send us into war. He can advise Trump to do so. But before any boots hit the ground, they've all got to go through Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. Should we take any comfort from that? Any comfort from the fact that the most important man in the world right now happens to be nicknamed Mad Dog? <laughs> and, and really, you know, isn't doing us any favors. He was talking about Yemen and uh, talking with Mohammed bin Salman, the, the soon-to-be Saudi leader. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't mention any of the casualties that Saudi, this, our Saudi allies, with our help, are inflicting on pretty much innocent Yemenis. So he doesn't care about things like civilian deaths much. And um, and this is, as you said, the guy that we're clinging to to keep Trump and John Bolton from starting nuclear war. It It's bleak. 
Do you have any... Con- I mean, it's one thing, I guess, to... Um, to continue with wars that we've already been uh, carrying out for many years in the Middle East, in uh, you know between Saudi Arabia and Yemen, and I don't mean to dismiss that, but is that one thing versus starting an entirely new war, whether it's in North Korea or in Iran? Do you have any confidence that Jim Mattis would say, uh, no, this is a terrible idea, Mr. President, don't listen to your national security advisor. I won't do it or I will, uh, uh, you know, I I will resign before I give the approval to start sending over the rockets. He has said that he thought that Bolton would be difficult to work with. And there's always the possibility that Bolton will piss off Trump. You know, like maybe he'll be like Mooch and he won't actually take the job before (laughs) because he doesn't actually start for another um, 17 days, but who's counting? Right. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, he is, um, so long as he stays on Trump's good side, though, he's the guy who, as you said, controls what kind of information Trump gets. So right. he'll control, to some degree, what Trump is hearing from Mattis. And that's a problem. Trump and uh, and Bolton both seem to agree on, on North Korea and Iran, but not necessarily on Russia. Bolton has uh, Bolton has been somewhat hawkish on Russia over the years. No, could this be a point of uh, disagreement between those two? Yeah, but so used to be Jeff Sessions and Mike Pompeo, and now mm. they're not. Um, Bolton also went um, recently to support the NRA's efforts to put more guns in Russia Mm -hmm. and said nice things about Russia when he was there. So he has been a chameleon on Russia. He has both said that the investigation is very serious and we should go beat up the Russians for doing what they did to us, but at the same time he has said nice things about Vladimir Putin and he knows how to you know, he knows how to stay in good with the boss and the, uh, the tiller, one huge lesson of the Tillerson firing is one way to stay on Donald Trump's good side is to say nice things about Vladimir Putin. And he's gone back and forth. You're right. Uh, the uh, in, in late, I think this was uh, late uh, December, uh, 2016, December, uh, he said, it's not at all clear to me that this hacking into the DNC and the RNC computers was not a false flag operation. Uh, and yet, I think more recently, uh, he said that uh, the notion, this is uh, uh, when he was asked about on Fox News about the possibility of Russia disrupting the 2018 U.S. midterm elections. Uh, he said the notion of spreading false information, of getting people to turn on one another, to undermine faith in law enforcement and intelligence institutions, that all plays right into Russia's hands that was uh, his most recent comment on Russia. I don't think that was all that long ago. Um, and Donald Trump hired him anyway. Yep. <laughs> but, so I guess we don't know. This remains a wild card. I guess all of this remains a wild card at this point, uh, Marcy Wheeler. But um, it's chilling. We're, yeah, We're bearing down on May. There are two events in May that I think are really signature. One is that's the next time that Trump has to decide whether he's keeping the Iran deal, the Obama-Iran deal. Right. And by then, if things go according to what we currently know, Bolton will be in place to say, blow up the 
I shouldn't use that term. Yeah, I know. Uh, Destroy. Tear up the Iran deal. (laughs) Right. And then um, in May is also when we're moving the U.S. Embassy. Donald Trump is moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, which is going to have some blowback. So uh, I I just feel really, uh, I, I think that those two May events, those twin May events are approaching and they're very ominous dates. So we'll see. Okay, thanks for that uh, ominous uh, <laughs> warning. <We'll laughs> I'm not coming on next week, I, was so I gonna, can't say anything really depressing next Right, week. I know, <laughs> but well, we'll see if you come on. But I'll, uh, we'll go ahead and pencil you in for May at this point. Marcy <laughs> if Wheeler. There's, if there's pencils to be had in May. <laughs> oh, brother. Marcy Wheeler, uh, check out her work, if, if you dare, at EmptyWheel.net and, of course, on the Twitters at EmptyWheel. Thanks for joining us, Marcy. It's always a joy and uh, lots of laughs. <laughs> Sorry to the press, everybody. Take care. It's what we do. Thanks, Marcy. Yeah. <laughs> bye Okay. Yeah. A quick break, and we are back with more on the Fox Newsification of the United States government. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. But there's one sound that no one knows. What does the fox say? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, you know, just one week ago, former Fox News anchor turned U.S. State Department spokesperson under Donald Trump, Heather Nauert. She seemed not long for her job, according to the AP. She was on the outs with Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, who who didn't have her uh, travel with him, as is uh, often the case with the Secretary of State. But then Rex Tillerson was fired and Nauert's star immediately rose. Shortly after Donald Trump canned Tillerson by tweet, he also fired the undersecretary of state who had publicly defended Rex Tillerson. Uh, who had said he hadn't been told that he was fired until he saw it uh, saw it in a tweet. So that undersecretary of state, Steve Goldstein, who said as much, was then fired as well. In the process, the president named Nauert to that suddenly vacant position, the undersecretary of state position near the top of the hierarchy of American diplomacy. Nauert told associates that she was taken aback and she had recommended a colleague for the job. But when the White House officials said that they wanted her, she accepted. So this new role gives Heather Nauert responsibilities far beyond the regular news conferences that she had held in the briefing room. According to AP, she is now overseeing the public diplomacy in Washington and all of the roughly 275 overseas U.S. embassies, consulates, and other posts. She's in charge. 
She's in charge of that. She's in charge of the Global Engagement Center that fights extremists, uh, extremist messaging from the Islamic State group and others. She's allowed to take a seat if she wants on the Broadcasting Board of Governors that steers government broadcasts like uh, Voice of America. Less than one year ago, she was not even in government. She had never been in government. She was a breaking news anchor on Fox News specifically on Trump's favorite television show, Fox and Friends. She has a master's degree from Columbia University's Graduate School of, of Journalism. Journalism. She had come to Fox from ABC News, where she was a general assignment reporter. She had not specialized in foreign policy or inter, uh, international relations, but she is now the fourth highest-ranking diplomat at the U.S. State Department, in the U.S. government. Because that's how this uh, presidency rolls. It is the Fox News presidency, period. Uh, Along those uh, same lines, uh, when it comes to Fox, a retired U.S. Army lieutenant colonel and Fox News contributor quit on Tuesday after 10 years as a contributor at that fake news channel. He denounced the network and President Donald Trump in an email to colleagues. This is Ralph Peters, a Fox News so-called strategic analyst. He was also a a very heated critic of uh, Barack Obama's foreign policy over those 10 years. He wrote in his email, however, to colleagues explaining why he was leaving. He said, four decades ago, I took an oath as a newly commissioned officer. I swore to, quote, support and defend the Constitution. And that oath did not expire when I took off my uniform. Today, I feel that Fox News is assaulting our constitutional order and the rule of law while fostering corrosive and unjustified paranoia among viewers. Viewers like Donald Trump, I might add. That's me, not Peters. Uh, He says, over my decade with Fox, I was long proud of the association. Now I am ashamed. In my view, Fox has degenerated from providing a legitimate and much-needed outlet for conservative voices to a mere propaganda machine for a destructive and ethically ruinous administration. When primetime hosts, who have never served our country in any capacity, dismiss facts and empirical reality to launch profoundly dishonest assaults on the FBI, the Justice Department, the courts, the intelligence community in which I served, and not least, a model of public servant and genuine war hero such as Robert Mueller, all the while scaremongering with lurid warnings of deep state machinations, He says, I cannot be part of the same organization, even at a remove. To me, Fox News is now wittingly harming our system of government for profit. Wow. Nice of him to notice. What took him so long? No kidding. He was there for 10 years, but uh, and uh, he was fine with everything up until then. But now he's got a concern. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, That was uh, Ralph Peters, uh, and his email was published by BuzzFeed. At the same time, Senator Ed Markey notes that uh, more than a year into the Trump administration, we still do not have a U.S. ambassador to South Korea, a confirmed assistant secretary for East Asian and Pacific Affairs, a special envoy for North Korean human rights issues, a sanctions coordinator, but hey, Senator, we got uh, that Fox News lady as, uh, as as the number four at the State Department. So there's that. 
He went on to tweet, despite his uh, his recent announcement that he would accept a meeting with Kim Jong Un, Donald Trump has systematically undermined the effectiveness of the very agency, the U.S. Department of State that he will need to make talks successful. I am concerned that if these talks do not go well, Donald Trump will be able to claim that we tried economic pressure and we tried diplomacy, but neither has worked. He will be left with the conclusion that the only approach remaining is military force. Senator Markey goes on to say, but we must be clear there is no military solution to the North Korea crisis today. Uh, this was Tuesday when he tweeted this. Marks the 15th anniversary of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. Although the current situation we face with North Korea is not identical to the run-up of the Iraq war, the North Korean situation is in fact worse. We must learn the appropriate lessons regarding the use of military force. We have an obligation to American families, service members, and our allies to say unequivocally that we did everything in our power without resorting to armed conflict. Well. Now that Fox News is running the government, now that um, John Bolton is on his way in, uh, the Fox and Friends anchor is over at the State Department, um, Senator Markey has a good reason to be worried. And as if we didn't have a good enough reason to be worried, uh, I think this video will, will play on radio here. This is a video from Now This um, out a few days ago that spells out as they described it, everything that's wrong with Fox News in one video. These are all clips. These are all clips from Fox News, often uh, from the very same people talking about the very same thing, a meeting between the president of the United States and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. But some of the comments were about President Obama meeting with Kim, and some, again, from some of the very same people on Fox News, discussing President Trump's agreement to meet with the North Korean dictator. See if you can figure out which president they are talking about each time. Would you, as president, meet with the leaders of a country like North Korea? Obama extraordinarily said, I'd meet with him. Senator Obama made his intentions crystal clear on the campaign trail. I will meet not just with our friends, but with our enemies. President Obama likes talking to dictators. He would meet with some of these madmen without any preconditions. You know, I'm going to reach out to these crazy people uh, around the world and try to get things done. Yeah. I think that's a mistake. Obama is right. bowing and scraping before dictators. What is Team Obama doing establishing formal contacts with these people? A remarkable turnaround in relations between two historic adversaries. The commander-in-chief's leadership is now leading to a major foreign policy breakthrough. Another stunning Donald Trump breakthrough. President Trump scoring a big win. It's time to celebrate a great victory when it happens. President Trump proves the experts wrong again and scores a stunning diplomatic triumph. How about this? The fact that all he wants is to get them back to the table as a precondition, sure. not I'll give up. If you give up your nuclear weapons, then we'll talk. Why would the administration think that this is a group they could do business with? Uh, you know, I have no idea. Those who hate us will always hate us. And the hatred for America is never going to go away. It is a definite win for the president. And it's a huge win for this country. It's breathtaking. It's audacious. It's bold. Uh, it will be historic. I'm juiced about it. It'll be magnificent for the people of Korea. Be magnificent for the table. world. Obama would personally negotiate with leaders of terrorist nations like Iran and North Korea without preconditions. Wow. The world will probably be a little bit safer 
The media should be giving President Trump credit for that. <laughs> I'm not sure there's any real discussing issues with Kim Jong-un. He may be the one president who would actually do this, who would go meet with the North Korean leader. Look, it's a bad idea for the president to speak to Kim Jong-un. Why wait till the end of May? Let's do this by the end of March. <laughs> the current president truly believes that he's the chosen one cannot deal with criticism. We are really in danger of living in a sort of pretty little dream world where Barack Obama thinks the power of his personality is going to have this incredible transformative impact on these crazy Kate, men Kate, let me all interrupt. over the President Trump made the decision himself to meet face to face with Kim Jong Un. This guy has a very unique quality of leadership. He is so charming. He can deal with people. He can get along with people. I think that this will only work out well. The idea, which has been fanciful from the start, that we could talk North Korea out of its nuclear weapons program. You cannot make such a promise, not when you're dealing with these madmen who do want to destroy America. Is he going to stop on his way in Oslo to get the Nobel Peace Prize? If it works, <laughs> he should get the Nobel Peace Prize. It would be something. You give that man the Nobel Prize, there's no question. But let's be, I mean, the chances of that are right around zero, I think. Will always be fair and balanced, would not the left wing destroy Trump media. Jesus. <laughs> wow. So there you go. One of those comments in there, by the way, back to back was, I think, uh, John Bolton saying bad idea to meet with Kim Jong-un. And then immediately afterwards saying, why wait until May? We should do it in March. Unbelievable. That's Fox News. That's where Donald Trump gets his intelligence from. And uh, now apparently pretty much his entire administration at this point. Yes, be afraid. Be very afraid. All right, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always appreciated. Thank you. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. And if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Uh, my great thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. For some reason, they don't let us on Fox News very often. I don't know why. <laughs> So uh, bradblog.com slash donate. My thanks to those who have signed up for a monthly sustaining subscription as we try and try to uh, stay on your public airwaves to do what we do. But you're the only one who uh, makes sure that's possible. So thank you. All right. I think that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.